We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Fielding the 68, the Field of 68's Bracket Show, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Kai McEwen, and joining me today are Andy Bottoms and Lucas Harkins, two of the very best bracketologists in the entire world. We have hoops going on right now, some high drama conference tournament action. Oh, Colorado State missed the shot. Okay, great job. Good start to the show. They got a foul. Awesome. College basketball season is heating up right now, and I freaking love it the best time of the year. Lucas, how you doing? How's work? How's life? Oh, doing great. Balancing things together, you know. Uh, we're about an hour since I got off work for the day, and now we're into bracket stuff for the rest of the night. Uh, obviously missed watching some big results earlier today, but you follow what you can, you follow what you can. That's right. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm watching the same game that you are, so I'm trying, <laughs> trying to uh, – uh, if I'm looking this way during the show, yes. it's not because I'm uh, not paying attention. It's because I'm uh, I'm watching games. But uh, same all here. of our step broadcast tabs are up there. Yeah, we're just sna- snapping our heads left yeah. and right here. Uh, well, we're, we're talking. Yeah, keep your head on a swivel this time of year. You can't. <laughs> That's right. You can't relax. If you don't you will you're in danger of getting upset in in, the, in these conference tournaments. Let's start there. I want to start off with who played themselves off the bubble the last couple of days. Who played themselves in? Lucas, I have a feeling we might be starting in the Big Ten, but you take me where you want to take me. Yeah, you know, playing yourselves off, I'm not sure really anyone did until today. Mm-hmm. Uh, even teams that I, that lost that I think won't make the tournament, I'm not 100% positive they won't hear their names called. Like, there's a wild card or two every year. So, like, I wouldn't be, like, super shocked if we see a team like Wisconsin still find a way in. I'm Like, I'm just not going to say they're at 0%. I don't think they're at a zero um michigan's probably the team that i feel most confident is at zero now lost the Rutgers is going to take them out of consideration in my opinion i think they're done they're probably the first team that i think that was like seriously in the bubble conversation uh that took itself completely out over the last couple days andy your thoughts yeah i I would agree the big Ten's really been the biggest uh the biggest result-based uh one so far i do think intriguing ones oklahoma state i think there's varying opinions and i know we'll we'll talk about them I'm sure as we get into last four and first four out, I think there's some schools of thought that they played themselves in uh, by winning over Oklahoma last night. I don't know that I would go so far as to say that, um, but certainly help their case and gives them a shot at Texas uh, later tonight. 
And then Mississippi State uh, kind of avoided disaster uh, yeah. by losing to a, a Castletonless Florida. So uh, they're at least still in the mix. Uh, they were thinking most about a 10 or 11 line. Uh, an interesting one that we may talk about is Pitt. I don't know that they played themselves out, but I mm-hmm. would argue that for a team that was not totally safe to uh, go and get absolutely boat raced really? uh, in the ACC. <laughs> it's probably not a great final impression to leave the committee with, but it is only one game, but they, they might be an interesting one. Again, I don't think they play themselves out, but depending upon what other results may happen around them, that could get uh, a little bit dicey for them. Yeah, I think we yeah. saw a lot of teams play their way still on the cut line. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oklahoma State, I think, like played itself to like still in consideration. New Mexico is still on the fridge after beating on the fringe after beating Wyoming. Pitts mm. kind of still on the edge. North Carolina is still on the edge. Arizona State still on the edge. Rutgers is there. Mississippi State is there. And I think probably if it's talking about teams that truly played themselves into the field and like feeling pretty safe, uh, I'm starting to look at NC State. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Wisconsin lost last night. Pitt got blown out today. Providence is down five with 39 seconds left to UConn. Michigan lost today. At a certain point, the teams that just kind of have beaten teams, NC State, and blew out Virginia Tech yesterday, um, I yeah. think puts them in a spot where even though they're really poor non-conference strength of schedule, I think they're the team that's played the last two days that I have the hardest time seeing missing right now. A lot of intrigue. We, of course, had to cover it like that because of the national media. Who played in? Who played themselves out? As bracketologists, we'd like to keep a, a level head here and and realize the full body of work is – most important. Although I will say the committee usually kind of puts pencils down around this time. So these next couple of days don't read into it too much um, as they say, except for maybe the, the really, really fringe teams, um, which we will talk about later on in the show. Let's start off with the top of the bracket though. Let's go one seeds. We're going to show a consensus version from our fielding the 68 bracketologists popping up on the screen here. Nothing's really changed in the last several weeks, really since the, uh, the top 16 reveal Alabama, Houston, Kansas, Purdue, they are the one seeds right now. I'll start with Andy here. Do you think these one seeds are more or less locked at this point, or do you think the committee still might consider UCLA? The Jalen Clark injury certainly doesn't help their case. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, but when we talked on Monday uh, on the show, I think there was st- still some debate around you know how many teams are really in contention, and, and generally we arrived at five. Uh, mm-hmm. So the four that were just on the screen plus UCLA – Felt like Texas for most of us was the number six overall team. And just to me, there was a gap between where they sat and the others did. And so really becomes those five. Now, the Jalen Clark injury is is interesting because you're not going to have a huge sample size of games within which you can really evaluate what UCLA looks like without him. Um, They're, I think, going to hold on now, it looked like, based on uh, watching the score. But I think it'll be interesting to watch how they play over the next couple of days. I don't know that it it is not a absolute star of the team scenario. Like I was harking back to Kenyon Martin, which maybe is because I'm old. Yeah. I don't know, but um, that's kind of the, the biggest one where it's like, you knew this dude is the stud of studs on the team. And you, you had to know, even though you didn't have a huge sample, like this team is just not even going to be close to what they were. I don't know that we'll be able to say that very definitively about UCLA. And I think they tried to slow play it a little bit in terms of letting the news oh, come yeah. out uh, as you would to, to give yourself a chance. So I still think they're in contention if they happen to you know win the Pac-12, play well, Purdue goes out uh, early. I, I still think those teams are close enough, but I do think the uh, the burden of proof, I guess you could say, is 
is really on UCLA to show that they can still be really good with without him. Lucas, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think UCLA has to win the Big Twelve, the Pac-12 tournament um, to get a one line. And I think with that, they might need Purdue to lose tomorrow to Rutgers. Um, I think they might need both of those things to happen. I think really the biggest question mark on the one line for me um, is who, who committee who the committee favors in terms of Kansas versus Houston because um, that'll play a big factor in locations um, for both those teams who really want uh, a particular region coming in. Let's go to bubble talk because that's where my intrigue lies and most likely people watching this show as well. But first, a quick message from our friends at Run Your Pool who will be hosting the official Field of 68 Bracket Contest. Uh, our, our, our esteemed colleague, Rob Dowster, has worked with this company before. It's why we're excited to land them as a sponsor. They have more than 50 game types for every sport you can think of. Traditional bracket pools, survivor games, head-to-head, pick X games, and, of course, squares. The scoring is very customizable. You can tailor the bracket to your particular pool. It's very, very fun, very awesome. Here's the best part. Run Your Pool is giving away $1,500 in cash prizes for free. Just sign up at the link in the description, play.runyourpool.com slash field68. That's F-I-E-L-D-6-8. Fill out a bracket and be eligible to win. See you guys on Selection Sunday. That's Run Your Pool. All right, bubble talk. Here we go. We're going to start with Andy, and we're going to get his last four in on the screen and break it down for you. Uh, so two of these teams are in the Mountain West. Uh, I'll kind of talk about those together, even though they're not one after the other in the the order that I have them, but both have big games tonight. Uh, as we talk about teams who could make themselves feel a little bit safer or potentially play their way out, I think these are a couple who fall in that category. Utah State has been one of the tougher teams for everybody to evaluate at this point. The, the story is well known. The resume metrics are great. Uh, even the quality metrics are average out to be in the top 40. The challenge is they have one quad one win. They somehow have 13 quad three wins and they're 21 and one in quads two and three combined. And yet somehow they're one and two in quad four. So uh, there, therein lies the conundrum with them of you really, most of their best wins, uh, really all of their best wins have come at home. And so uh, they're, they're an interesting case as you look at them. Uh, Nevada to stay in the Mountain West uh, a little bit, you know, worse resume metrics, worse quality metrics, but four quad one wins uh, as you look at them comparative to um, Utah State. Uh, not all that dissimilar. Most of their good work has come at home as well, that they did win at New Mexico and at San Jose State, which is who they play again tonight. Uh, and if they can win there, they'll get a crack at San Diego State again. That would really be a big uh, potential win for them uh, as you look through that. And then you got Penn State and Rutgers, the other two. So a Big Ten Mountain West uh, challenge shaping up in, in Dayton. Got Penn State, huge game against Illinois tonight. I think if they win that, can uh, breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief as, as they go through there. Uh, they've got six wins against the field. They, you know, uh, six or five quad one wins, four in quad two. Uh, have done a couple uh, a couple good things away from home, winning at Illinois and at Northwestern. Uh, and at Ohio State, who apparently is good again, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, and then uh, and then you got Rutgers, who came up with one of the bigger wins of the day so far, got off to a really slow start against Michigan, pulled it together, and uh, and was able to, to come out victorious, uh, essentially eliminate the Wolverines, as Lucas talked about earlier. You know, for them, the question is the resume metrics are not very good. That usually doesn't bode all that well for selection. I think the Michigan win probably puts them uh, at 10 combined wins in quad, quads one and two. But 
They've looked bad since the Mawat Mag injury. Lots of questions around that, but they get a shot at Purdue uh, tomorrow and uh, a chance to, to pick up another really big win. They beat Purdue once, uh, winning winning at Purdue earlier in the season. So, um, you know, wins at Purdue, at Northwestern, at Penn State. If we believe that the committee really values those high-quality red wins, that bodes well mm-hmm. for Rutgers, even though a number of other things in their team sheet may not. And we've also heard the committee say they would consider that weird result, right, with Ohio State for Rutgers, where they made a shot, shouldn't have counted. Rutgers should have had a Q1 win on the road against Ohio State. Do you factor that much in, Andy, when you're considering this, if the committee's saying, hey, they really should have 11 Q1, Q2 wins? I don't know. It's kind of an odd thing that that came out that way. I mean, I, I do think you take into account the circumstances around some of these games, but, you know, could there have been three other calls that were missed in that game? As somebody who sure. watched a lot of Big Ten basketball, I can assure you that there were. <laughs> uh, so you know, who knows where those, uh, you know, who who knows where those shake out. So kind of an odd factor. Even that is not really viewed as a, a terrible uh, loss. It, it's more a right. factor of if you count it as a win as opposed to you know taking it away as a loss. Extra puzzly, it seems this year. The the bubble here. Let's get Lucas's uh, last four teams in the field up on the screen give you a chance to run through them as well. Yeah, actually quite a few differences here from Andy in terms of which ones are in my last four in. So Pitt's my fourth to last team in. I will note that these that these were submitted this morning. So prior to Pitt getting destroyed by Duke, and I could easily see them falling out of the field um, as a result of that for me. And as a result, um, maybe a team that could jump into there is Rutgers, who, who we'll talk about in my first four out next. Um, those two teams having opposite results today could change some things there. Mississippi State, Picked up a win earlier today to stay uh, on my right side of the cut line, Nevada. Um, I think is probably in better shape for selection than they are necessarily for seeding. Their, their resume metrics are okay, um, whereas their quality metrics are pretty far below. I think a win over San Jose State tonight um, puts them into an okay spot, um, especially with so many bubble teams that have struggled um, down the stretch of these last couple of days. Uh, and then I moved Oklahoma State in after their win over Oklahoma last night. They're going to be need to beat Texas, I think, tonight. Um, to keep that spot, especially if, if a bid stealer arrives to shrink the at-large field, I think they're definitely going to need to beat Texas. Um, I don't think 18 and 15, which would be the record, would get in. Yeah. Um, I think they would have to beat Texas in that game to stay in that spot. But for now, um, as a snapshot of where things currently stand, I have them just ahead of the teams in my first four out. All right, let's flash up the consensus first four, excuse me, last four in from the fielding, from fielding the 68. Penn State, Nevada, Utah State, Oklahoma State, so familiar teams. We just went through all four of these. Let's shift now to the first four out, get some differences, get some reasoning behind each. Lucas, we will start with you this time, a little snake order. What do we got first four out? So my first four out, I've gone with Arizona State, followed by Rutgers, North Carolina, and Wisconsin. Again, I'll reiterate that this took place before today's results, so Rutgers would probably move into my field right now. Um, Arizona State is relatively close. They've got a big couple games coming up. They get USC tonight. That would put them probably into the right side of the cut line as well, depending on how other teams perform. Obviously, we've seen uh, the Pitt disaster today and on top of Providence losing to UConn. There, there are some teams that can juggle um, from this morning already into, into the rest of the day. Uh, North Carolina has another opportunity. They get Virginia. Um, we'll see what goes from there. As far as Wisconsin, they're sitting in limbo. Uh, they lost to Ohio State last night. Um, they have horrible metrics. I mean, they're sub 80 in the net now. Um, I will say that if there's going to be a surprise team, they're one of the teams that I look at to be a potential surprise on Sunday. They still have six quad one wins. They have 11 wins against the upper two quadrants. 
Um, I think they're a team that could potentially get that type of boost. Um, I would say the same potentially about New Mexico, who has two tremendous road wins to their resume. Um, those two teams, I think, are ones that every bracketologist will have out on selection Sunday, and rightfully so. Um, but our teams that could be in line to be that surprise uh, if the committee leans in a certain direction. Uh, let me ask you a question real quick. We, we know Rutgers had a really high net last year, but a lot of Q1 wins. Com- compare and contrast Wisconsin this year with Rutgers last year for me. I'm putting you on the spot a bit, but what what's the difference yeah. between those two teams? Yeah, well, for one, I think that the, the resume metrics are already different in that regard. I think Wisconsin's fallen sub-50 there. Um, which they, I mean, you could say that they're very similar for a long time. They're not quite um, in that regard right now. I mean, quality metrics. Wisconsin's fallen below 80 in a lot of spots. Um, Rutgers had a quality rating, quality rating ex, uh, average in the upper 60s last year. Wisconsin's trending down in that regard. Uh, also, Rutgers just had way better top tier wins last year. They were five and five in quad one A. Uh, Wisconsin's two and six this year. I think if you really want to pinpoint elite, elite wins, Rutgers had them. Wisconsin doesn't. Gotcha. All right, let's shift over to Andy's first four out. Break it on down. What do we got here? Yeah, a lot, lot more similarities here. Oklahoma State, I had them. I, I kind of wrestled with whether or not to have them in the field after they won last night. I kept coming back to their 4-11 and 11 against the field. Uh, now, that doesn't count their wins over Texas Tech and the three wins over Oklahoma, uh, who are obviously not in the field, but just felt hard to – totally justify uh, having them jump into the field. I had them out going into last night. I I just kind of kept them there with the thought that we'll see what happens today and and figure out uh, where to go from there. So they're, they're right there. Wisconsin that Lucas hit on uh, well. uh, And I think they're, you know, a a team, like he said, I could see them getting in because there are a handful of, of top end wins there, but it just feels like you're going against a lot of, uh, a lot of trends and, uh, certainly against uh, the eye test to whatever whatever extent that's used, uh, it's uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't reflect favorably on them. Arizona State's definitely an interesting one. They get a chance to to face USC tonight. They win that. They likely play Arizona. I think they have um, you know a couple good chances. Now they had a couple good chances last weekend as they visited the LA schools and came up empty, uh, and even played a closer than you'd like to see game against Oregon State last night. But yep. Um, they're right there in the in the mix. That road win at Arizona is is pretty huge, but only two wins against the field uh, at this point. So that doesn't really help them. And then Carolina, uh, as we said, right there trying to, uh, you know, figure out if uh, I don't think one more win over Virginia is enough to get them in. I think they need to probably make it to the finals to really make their case a bit more compelling, although they did uh, improve their metrics quite a bit by winning by as much as they did yesterday. Yeah, we're officially at that point in the year where if you don't win your auto bid, you're guaranteed to lose another game, Um, which is just the the nature of it. So no matter what a win you get today, if you lose tomorrow, it could overshadow that. I mean, it's so easy to bounce up and bounce back down um, in a hurry. Do you guys buy the narrative of, hey, it's Carolina. They're going to put them in the tournament if they're anywhere close. Is there are you buying that from like a NCAA wants them in the field perspective? There are humans after all. I'll buy that as long as North Carolina does something else. Okay. So when Virginia, I don't, I don't think they're there yet. I, and the thing about Virginia is let's say they beat Virginia today. What are the odds? It's a neutral site game. So Virginia, uh, presumably the net would have Virginia favored to win that game. North Carolina wins that game. And now it loses its home net. It's home quad one win over Virginia because Virginia falls out of the top 30. They're 30th right now. Hmm. I, I don't know. If, I mean, not to say that quadrants are the be all end all, but North Carolina could beat Virginia and still end the day with one quad one win. 
Yeah. You're Andy, you, you said they probably wouldn't be in if they beat Virginia. So you're kind of poo-pooing the narrative, I suppose. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see it uh, certainly. Yeah. And, and conspiracy theorists would, would certainly uh, have a field day with that one. And, you know, I think the challenge is they just haven't, we can look at that team as we have all year long from a non-bracketology perspective and say they mm-hmm. should be so much better than what they are based on what they showed last year. But the reality is they just haven't been. Um, yeah. doesn't mean they can't be. It doesn't mean they won't uh, play well in this tournament. They certainly played well yesterday. But if you look at on-court results, they've got a win over NC State and a win over Virginia, and that's all they have against teams that are in the field right now. And Jeez. I just find that a little bit hard to believe. And I don't think as Virginia's play has gone – down the stretch it's still a meaningful win don't get me wrong but i don't think beating them means what it it probably did earlier in the season even the first time they beat them i think virginia was looked at in a little bit different light um even though they're kind of trending in the direction they're going in now so i just find it a little bit hard to believe that that would be enough now maybe getting to the final and losing might be (laughs) getting them close enough where you could entertain some of those thoughts of eh, well maybe we'll you know squint hard enough i can see that this is the same team and all that stuff but You'd like to think the committee wouldn't do that, but you yeah. never know. Even with the narrative, I think they need a lot of work to do. I like uh, Riley chiming on the chat. Charleston, they have a win over Charleston, and they're in the field. So, so ha, bracketologists. <laughs> I didn't say it. Yeah. Uh, let's throw up a consensus field of 68, uh, first four out for the folks at home here. Rutgers, Arizona State, Wisconsin, and North Carolina. Seems to be a pretty... Nice consensus there. Eight teams. This consensus was before Rutgers playing Michigan today. Right. So would you have Rutgers over Oklahoma State, Lucas, right now in yours, just based on that win currently before Oklahoma State plays Texas? I don't think it matters. Okay. The the answer to that question I don't think matters because if we lose to Texas, yes, Rutgers will be over. If they beat Texas, no. Okay. Uh, So I don't think the answer to that necessarily matters because Rutgers has had the game today and Oklahoma State hasn't. We know that Oklahoma State is going to play that game tonight, and that that solves a lot of issues there. Gotcha. All right, before we get into some team hitters, a quick message from Vaulted. You guys ever get tired of trying to prove that you want an argument, that your takes weren't hot, (laughs) that they were actually right? Well, I got an answer to your problems. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. You can store all of your predictions, all of your hot takes in your own vault now and forever. Challenge your friends, keep track of the results. Prove that you are, in fact, the smartest. Vaulted will also be releasing more than 50 pools in the next three months. So download the app at the link below. Sign up for your three-month free trial and store your predictions now. That's V-L-T-E-D, pronounced vaulted. Check them out. Interesting new little app there on the store. See what they got to offer. All right. Back to the show here. Team hitters. Oklahoma State is interesting to me. And we did talk, we talked, we talked about it a little bit, but if they do lose to Texas, they have three wins over 500. And I think that's why people are kind of saying they're not quite in the field yet, but you've seen a lot of folks on Twitter saying, no, they did definitely play themselves in after the Oklahoma win. What's the precedence? Definitely on the bubble. They're just, yeah. What's the precedence for teams making it so close to 500? I suppose. Pretty much any time you're at three, if you're if you're at three over, you're in danger. I think four puts you in a relatively decent spot, um, which is why I talk about if if they win um, against Texas tonight, the worst they can do is four games over. Um, 
And not all, not only that, they also had a win over Texas, which would be extremely meaningful. I think the teams that are three over, I have real trouble with seeing getting in the field. And historical preference press, precedent backs that up. I don't have the numbers directly in front of me. Um, I think I think Michigan there is last year was one of the first ones in a long time to, yeah. to make it at three over. So I think the first it's a recent, time it's a recent example, but um, yeah. but I think there was one in two thousand that was three over, and then one last year, and that's it. Yeah. Wow, all the way back two thousand was the. I think that's right. Holy cow. Okay. So it has been, it is a bit unprecedented. We'll say, I mean, there's precedence, but it's not common, commonplace. Um, let's shift up back to the top real quick. Gonzaga obviously scored an enormous win over St. Mary's, a team that people have kind of sort of forgotten about. It feels like, can they get to a two seed is my opening question. If so, who falls off? Is it Baylor? Is it Arizona? We know Baylor just lost to Iowa state. Arizona has been a bit wishy-washy down the stretch. I'll go to Andy first, then Lucas, Andy. Yeah, I, I think they can. Uh, you know, I think they would probably already be there if you take away, and obviously you, you can't do this, but if you <laughs> if you took away either the Loyola Marymount loss or even that loss at St. Mary's in a game that it really felt like they were going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, I, I think they, they certainly could be there. They've got uh, six quad one wins. They do have the one quad three loss, um, but have, have certainly played well down the stretch. The offensive numbers speak for themselves, and and all but one of their losses came in in quad 1A. I think that as you look for teams to potentially fall off, I think it'll be interesting to evaluate Baylor. That becomes their, I think, 10th loss uh, today. Just uh, Iowa State has their number, I guess. But, uh, you know, they've, they've lost there. Um, Arizona, maybe, uh, I think is another possibility, depending upon what they they do in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, if they, They've already got a bunch of weird losses, a bunch of really high-end wins. Um their, their profile as pieces that don't really seem to, to, to go very well with one another. So I think either of those teams could, could potentially fall off. You've also got Marquette though. Uh, they mm-hmm. avoided, they're still in that mix, I think as well. Certainly didn't play well today, but found a way to win. If they somehow can, you know, they won the big East, they can, you know, back that up with a, a big East tournament title. I think they would be and should be in that conversation as well. Uh, as you think about that. So I, I think Gonzaga is firmly in the, in the mix at this point and the, the Baylor loss today uh, results, to the, the one result that would have impacted them today certainly helped. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Lucas? I was extremely close to putting Gonzaga on my two line this morning. 
Mm-hmm. Um, over either Baylor or Arizona, I think that's very close. I still think it's close between Baylor and Gonzaga. I would probably still leave, leave lean with Baylor at this point. Um, the difference I think that we'll see though in between today and tomorrow is with regards to Baylor's loss is Iowa State. Um, Arizona gets Stanford tonight. Um, that's the kind of loss that I think I is on would be unexpected, but it's the type of loss that I think could propel. Um, first of all, it's the type of loss that Arizona has taken this season. They've already lost like at Utah this year. They lost at Stanford. Like the, it's not out of the realm of possibility time to lose to Stanford again. Um, and if they do so, I'd probably lean in favor of Gonzaga at that point. Um, but they're definitely firmly in the mix. I think they're a step ahead of Marquette for that two seed. If they're if in terms of three seeds competing to move up a line, uh, but I think they're definitely firmly in the mix at this point. But also, I'm not sure they really want to be either. UCLA is going to the west of the two seeds. So true. Yeah, Gonzaga would not be in the west, I suppose, if they were on the two line. Yeah, uh, we kind of talked about the the weird Michigan, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Penn State, Big Ten mess. It's looking a little bit clearer at this point. Obviously, still stuff to play out. Penn State. How do you feel about them, Andy? Like overall, in terms of, we'll use the word safe, but yeah, I, I definitely would not say they're safe. I mean, losing mm-hmm. to Illinois would not be a bad loss per se, mm-hmm. but they're. I'm not sure they're in a position to really take another one, uh, dependent upon what an Oklahoma State would do or the Mountain West teams do. Um, so yeah, I, or I would a not, CUSA team. Yeah, I would not categorize them as as safe at this point. I, I think when Illinois would make them lock either but it certainly would would give them a little bit of breathing room that they don't really have uh today yeah i didn't mention penn state in my last four in because they're my fifth to last team in <laughs> they're right there okay yeah so you got them above the that four team cut line uh, a little bit little bit safer, safer probably four, even, and even safer than they were at that time because pittsburgh was my fourth to last and they got destroyed so right uh yeah and, and people are worried in the chat about Pitt now um i'm terrified for Pitt. The loss was Duke, who, you know, it's a Q1 loss, but still didn't look good. Uh, gosh, it, it seems, you know, I, I, I understand the nature behind it, but you see Pitt and Clemson, if both of them were to miss the field, for instance, going 15-5 and five in the ACC. Yeah. I remember Washington won the Pac-12 regular season one year and missed the tournament. That would be kind of shades of that happening if, if that ended up coming to fruition, but – yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing Pitt missing the field entirely, but they are slipping down quite a bit. Um, let's talk West Virginia, who just gave KU a game. Yep. And they, they do have a better resume than Oklahoma State, but it's not super different from Oklahoma State, would you say, Lucas? Um, do you think they're safely different. in the field, and how high do you think they can be seeded now? I think they're a nine seed in the latest fielding, the 68 bracket. Yeah, I was a little bit higher on them earlier. I had them as a nine seed a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago or so, and I haven't moved them as everyone else has moved them up. I think they're they're still in that nine seed area for me. I think their resume is actually in some ways similar, but also is just better across the board than Oklahoma State's. Uh, Oklahoma State's 10 and 13 against the upper two quadrants. West Virginia is 12 and 13. That's two extra wins. Oklahoma State has a quad three loss. West Virginia doesn't. Um I think that it, metrics wise, West Virginia is 19th in the net, Oklahoma State 41st, 30th in resume metrics versus 45, 16 in quality metrics versus 36. It's just better across the board in a lot of ways. They're both one in 10 in quad 1A, but like I think overall, West Virginia has put itself in a much better spot. I think they're probably going to be in that, um, I think, still a nine seed range, even with a loss. 
And I think they're the type of that's the type of resume that's typically gotten. I wouldn't necessarily say rewarded, but in a in a way rewarded in that seven to ten seed range, despite having a high quantity of losses. When all of their losses are against good teams for the most part, twelve of their mm-hmm. thirteen are in quad one, ten of their thirteen are in quad one A. I think that's a team that gets the benefit of strength of schedule and gets it into an eight in an eight nine game. Yeah, what's West Virginia Q one A right now? One and ten, something one like that. 10. Yeah, well, probably one and eleven now that they lost. Oh yes, one and eleven, I would guess. <laughs> You're right. I don't remember if I updated before or after or not. I don't remember. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and depending on how other teams play, somebody might like move just one of way course. or another on yes. the on the line. True. But, yeah, they're, you know, but they have hardly lost outside of that. So yeah, I would tend to agree with Lucas. Their their metrics are way better. They were 16th across the board in the quality metrics uh, coming into today. So mm-hmm. pretty, pretty. They're you know like 20 spots above. The, the very days. rare 16, 16, 16 across all three yeah. metrics. Uh, hey, Brady in the chat, talk about my Friars. Just got here. Why not? Providence. They just lost to UConn. Andy, still safe, still in for you right now? 10, 11, uh, where you got them? Yeah, I had them coming into today, I believe on the 10 line, but maybe as my uh, – They were my top next, 11 today. I think I had my next to last 10. They were next to next <clears> to Pitt. So Pitt's lost in uh, – you know, I guess helps them a little bit. Obviously, today's mm-hmm. loss is not bad uh, by any stretch. Yeah, right. Losing to UConn, um, they've still got the four quad one wins. Non conference strength of schedule is not very good. Uh, I think they're. I think they'll be okay. Um, but I do think they could find themselves in Dayton, depending upon what other teams around them do. Uh, really, you know, did win at Seton Hall, won at Villanova, at Butler. But you know, their their three marquee wins all came at home. I appreciate you saying they won at Butler as a big deal. Well, I mean, it's, it's technically at least as of, I don't know, is that still at Butler? Is that still a, a quad two uh, win at this point after yesterday? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Utah State, we talked about a little bit in the bubble section. That's the weirdest team to me, um, besides my Tigers, who we're going to talk about in a bit. Okay. Their metrics are insane. They have no Q1 wins, or they have one maybe now. Yeah, one. Uh, sort them out for me, Lucas, real quick. I, if you were to give a 50-50 coin flip, would you be on the side of they're in or they're out? Give me a percentage chance of them making the field. Quite frankly, I've been in for a bit, um, and I still think they're in. Um, I actually moved them up to the 10 seed line. Um, I think, generally speaking, I think we get a little bit too caught up in the quantity of quad one wins. Like, really, is the difference between one quad one win and two quad one wins really that much bigger than the difference between five and six? Like they're one and four in those games. Like there's teams that are two and eight that we're discussing that are just like mm-hmm. the old age old question. About. Like it's not like Utah States, especially this year. And I've talked about this a few times with regards to quad three and quad four games. I mean, Houston has a quad three loss, Gonzaga has a quad three loss, UConn has a quad three loss, St. Mary's has two of them. Uh, Texas A&M has two quad four losses. So does Utah State. Like, I think we underestimate how difficult those games can be. I think we've seen the best teams in the country prove that this year. The bottom of the barrel isn't exactly that bottom. I think it's easy to lose those types of games. And I think the fact that Utah State is 22-5 and against the upper two quadrants, I mean, the upper three quadrants, I think is impressive. Their numbers are unprecedented to miss the field. If they do... Um, and I think with a if they beat New Mexico in a close game tonight, that could be another quad one win. Like I think mm-hmm. that they're they're gonna have games that are close. Like New Mexico's 50th in the net. They win that, that's a fringe quad one win. They already mm-hmm. beat they beat Nevada at home, who's 36. That's six spots away from being quad one. I think we're splitting hairs a little bit 
uh, in terms of the quadrants. And obviously they have a win over San Francisco. That was neutral site that is played in San Francisco, which like Mm -hmm. that affects them. They've been really good on the road this year. And that one doesn't even count. I think Utah State's probably in the field, and I think with a win tonight, they're over 80% for me. And as Cole points out in the chat here, they're pretty 50 50, to be clear. Okay. (laughs) As Cole points out in the chat here, the net, not the end all be all, especially for for selection, but if they're on the top 25 of the net, it would be a pretty bad look to miss the tournament. Yeah, what right. yeah I, I think I, I think I said that earlier in the week. I, I don't know whether that's just me thinking that that matters and it really doesn't matter. But shouldn't but it? I do think it, in, in a way, like not taking them is to a certain extent crapping on the tool that you're using <laughs> yes. to, um, yes. <laughs> you know, to, to, to at least group teams and group wins and whatever. So I do think there's an element of, of that. I probably buy into that element a little bit more than the whole, like, oh, they want to get find a way to get North Carolina in the field thing of, like, yeah. There's probably a point where you're in the low 30s. You could maybe make an argument, but I mean, they're. I think they dropped from 21 to 22 yeah. from last night to today. But I mean, <laughs> it's not a great, not a great uh, endorsement of of your ranking tool that you've uh, that you've used to to leave them out. But right. doesn't mean that they won't. Doesn't mean that they shouldn't. But that I do think it. I think it matters. That might be dumb. I don't think it's likely, but I think there's a reasonable possibility if the committee decides to favor high quality wins over everything else this year, that it's a team like Utah state misses the field and a team like Wisconsin makes it. And if that's the case, the committee would be taking a team that is a quad one win at home. They would be taking a team. That's a quad three win at home over a team. That's a quad one win at home. And I think that would be a major slap in the face to their own metric, which I just don't think is likely to happen. It's an interesting way to put it. Uh, we're going to my favorite team because I'm a Mizzou tiger alum and I want to talk Mizzou tigers. And there's a lot of intrigue around Mizzou because they have a really, really good uh, combined resume metric, an average resume metric, but they have a really bad predictive metrics. One of the worst, maybe the worst right now in the field for at-larges. Andy, sort my, sort my Tigers out. I think most have them on the eight line, fielding the 68, switching to a seven recently. Where do you think they end up? How do you even begin to look at Mizzou? Uh, it's they're they're a difficult one to get a read on for exactly the reason that you said. I mean, there's a 30 like the gap between their average quality metrics and their average resume metrics is 37. Um, <laughs> so, and, and this is one of those where it's often been said. I think it was uh, I believe it was Lucas who did a really good job writing this up a, a year or two ago about the importance of the resume that was metrics for yeah, yeah the resume metrics for selection and the quality mm-hmm. metrics for seating now. When those two things tell vastly different stories, I do think it becomes a little bit intriguing to try to figure out, you know, where they may end up. And I, and, you know, today we have them as a seven. Uh, I had them as my last seven, really for the last couple of days, because to me that's where things get a little bit cloudy uh, yeah. in terms of of who's there. You've got them, Iowa, Illinois, Maryland in that mix, Florida Atlantic, um, Arkansas, teams that you can really are have one thing or another that you can really poke holes in. Uh, with them. I think what they have going for them is they don't have any losses outside of quad one, uh, which is uh, somewhat important. They're nine and eight in the top two quadrants that win at Tennessee, obviously looms large beating Illinois on a neutral floor uh, is important. And and again, not having a quote unquote bad loss as you look at it that way. Uh, so I, I think they probably in that seven, eight range to maybe split the difference between 
what the metrics say they are feels about right. But again, if you go back to some of the, you know, what Lucas was talking about before, it, you really want to go value quality wins. They have some of those that you could do that and they haven't taken bad losses. And, and mm -hmm. it, it a little bit speaks to what, how much validity or how much stock this, this iteration of the committee puts into the metrics and how important those are. Cause they're, Quality metrics are 64, 57, 57. So it's not like there's an outlier that's pushing them <laughs> wherever. They're all kind of in the same range that says you wouldn't really be a team that would would make the field. So um, yeah. they're definitely one of the ones that I think would be easy to misseed uh, as we start thinking about where we'll have them and where the committee might have them. I think I, I think there's a, an, an interesting range of potential outcomes there depending upon which of the, the aspects of their team sheet are valued. Yeah. And quite frankly, there's really no true resume comparison in the net era since 2019. Pretty much every team with a gap as big as Missouri currently has, like in similar rankings in that 30 to 20 to not 50 to 60 range, that kind of gap, almost all of those teams uh, have a lot of quad two or quad three losses, which Missouri doesn't. Uh, yeah. I think that makes it really interesting. I think they're a team that, could up any anywhere between a six and a nine and a six and a ten even and I wouldn't be surprised. As a Mizzou fan, give me a seven or a ten, please. Um, I'd like to avoid the one seats <laughs> if at all possible. In that case, I'd be rooting against Florida Atlantic. Yes, we will talk about them in a sec here. Uh, question from Jacob in the chat: Does the higher seed pick their location? Do teams pick their location? I, I, I'm pretty sure it's based on geography, but I guess a team can request to not play in a certain region, Andy. They only really the don't top, want to only the top overall seed the top overall that, seed okay gets that choice uh and that's really which regional they want to go into i think most of the time the sub-regional is pretty easy you're just looking at it based yeah, on right uh based on that but uh yeah it's it doesn't and then the geography is used but you're also using it in tandem with the other bracketing rules so mm -hmm. it's not always a uh an absolute in terms of where somebody can be i wonder why a team would ever choose not to be in the region that they're Kind of located in top seat overall. Not sure if there's been a history of like. I feel like we made the argument about this a year or two ago for a team moving out of its main out of its. Yeah. Main, I don't remember yeah, why. Or there were a couple that were somewhat equidistant where you might yeah. have a preference okay. of one or the other. I think that's really probably where it comes into play yeah. a little bit more than. Yeah. Um, than because yeah, most of the time it's going to be a pretty clear cut. Why would you not want to do whatever? You're also the top seed, so why would you? Um, like for instance, Kansas this year, if they were like between like a can like a Louisville and a New York or something, I mean a Nevada, a Las Vegas and a New York, you might choose Las Vegas because there's just less teams going out west. Right. But fair points, fellas. Uh, okay, let's talk FAU real quick because by my quick calculations, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's really the main bid sealer left in in conference world is Conference USA. Because we assume DePaul is so mad at DePaul, you. DePaul is coming there. In terms of mid-major conferences, I suppose I mean. Um, FAU is in. We, but we all agree, hopefully, at large, they're safe. So if they lose C CUSA, there's a bid stealer. And that's bad news bears for the bubble teams we talked about. Yep. I guess, uh, well, I, well, let's talk FAU. How about that? FAU, Lucas, ceiling for them. How far do they fall if they don't win the CUSA conference tournament? I think if they don't win, they're pretty much stuck in an eight nine. Um, I don't oh, really not think below. I've, so okay, yeah, four, I don't think I see them fall down to a ten. I don't think so. Their numbers are just too good. I think, and I think people underrate 
who they would lose to in the USA. Like if it's North Texas or UAB, it's just not nearly as bad a loss um, as you'd expect. I mean, North Texas at a neutral site is a quad one game. North Texas is 42nd in the net. Um, I don't think I would be that concerned about dropping below that. They're still two and one in quad one right now. They're five and three against ever two quadrants, no bad losses. I would take that in an eight, nine game over those teams that are currently on the bubble in, in the 10, 11 area uh, with a win. I think they're, I think they're probably a seven. If they win the CUSA wouldn't be that shocked if they went up to a six, like that Buffalo team a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think I'd feel pretty, pretty okay with them being a seven seed um, kind of like that Wofford team a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both uh, very underseeded from a analytics standpoint. Uh, Andy, would you agree? Seven to nine out of the yeah. range. That feels right. I have them as a top eight today. They're my last seven. I, I think if you looked at it and if they lose in the quarterfinals, maybe, I, again, I don't think they would drop that much further, but I think you could make the argument that if they lose to, to UAB or North Texas in the final, uh, particularly, um, you know, North Texas, given where the tournament's played and things like that, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, right. I struggle a little bit to really drop them much at all in, in that case. And, and I do think they could work their way up to the seven line just because I think there's some openings there dependent upon you know, to today the sevens are generally like Duke, Northwestern, Michigan State. Any of those goes uh, all those teams are gonna lose. You know, go out early. Probably. You know, uh, you know, Duke's look good so far in the ACC. Maybe they're the one that feels a little bit safer than the others, but Northwestern Michigan State haven't even played yet. So they play the first game tomorrow. Right. Uh, I think Northwestern could have a really difficult time with whoever wins that Penn State Illinois game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, they lose there opens up that spot. But yeah, I think I think in that seven to nine range, I I I'd be hard pressed to push them down to a 10. I just don't know what they could do um, to, to fall that far. They have to get blown out, which they like haven't done. So. I think they would need to get blown out and like almost like an Western would be to happen, You know what I mean? As we start talking yeah. about that, I, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I think that it would, it would take something very much out of character for what they've done over the rest of the season for them to drop that yeah. far. Go watch the owls. If you haven't watched the owls, they're fun to watch. They're going to be a dangerous team. Uh, fellas. I think that's it. I think it's all we got today, but, uh, Folks, appreciate you guys joining us. We have a show tomorrow. Correct me if I'm wrong. 268 is yes. back. Back tomorrow. Yeah, we, have a, we have a brand new host tomorrow. Brand new host, a uh, fresh new host. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. We'll get you even more updated. For, oh, it's is it Lucas. Is Lucas the host yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three. We'll have Lucas, Brad, Wachtel, and Rocco Miller on tomorrow. All fantastic bracketologists. Say goodbye Keep to Andy. Eat. This is Andy's last episode of the year. Andy, we appreciate, and mine as well, I think. Uh, yes, and in fact, I know. Andy and Kai, <laughs> say goodbye to you guys. Uh, reminder, as always, check out the Field of 68 Twitter handle after the show for the uh, the consensus bracket up to date from the fellows here, uh, the, the elite bracketologist. See where your team is at right now. See the first four in, last four out. Reverse that, last four in, first four out. And we'll see you tomorrow on Friday. Enjoy the games. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.